welcome to Home with Havila podcast. Yes, it's a new brand, but it's the same old good podcast. And this week, we actually are starting off with a series we're calling the Author Series. Now, if you've been following Home with Havila for a while, you know that we don't necessarily put together series. They're kind of one-offs and things that I want is like I want you to hear, or maybe it's a message or a thought or something like that. But this whole season, we feel like we want to go deeper into educating you and teaching you how we're doing what we're doing so that you guys can just be exactly who you're called to be and have the confidence to do that. And so sometimes for me, it was the in the knowing that built confidence. And so we're going to do a whole series with authors. We have some phenomenal people um, coming up. But today I have a friend and somebody that I admire, but actually has lived in my world um, with us today. And her name is Carrie Lloyd. Now, Carrie Lloyd is really originates from England, <laughs> but she has lived in the States for a while. I know I, I'm like, was, was a native English person. No, but came all the way over and has been here, but she's also a author. She's written two books. One is called the prude misconceptions of the Neo Virgin. And the other book is the Virgin moguls confessions of a Christian girl in the 21st century world. And so she has been writing, writing, writing. And her third book which just came out is the noble renaissance. And so it's really cool. The reason I wanted Carrie, well, you guys get to know Carrie is partly because this is uh, something that she's been doing for a while, but also she is a tried and true author. And I love that she's not just a communicator that uses books. So Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. So it's lovely to hear and see your dulcet tones on Zoom. <laughs> That's right. So where exactly are you right now in the world? I'm currently in Stamford, Lincolnshire. So I'm actually at my mother's home because bless her, she's been in the pandemic on her own <laughs> since March. So I thought I'd come back over for a few months and sort of paint her hallways and really annoy her for a few months. And then she'd be <laughs> delighted to go back on her own again. Um, but, <laughs> but actually awesome. last time last year I was writing the noble renaissance in England I seem to I seem to like writing a book in England so, it's very um, um it's picturesque like that's what I think all of us Americans think is like when we get to the hillsides of England we would be writing our pride and prejudice <laughs> yes I'm normally carrying a basket somewhere with lavender in a field um and wearing my bonnet uh, as, as from a Jane Austen novel you know we're very very similar so nothing's changed over these years <laughs> Right. And I write with the quill and yes. ink, obviously. Yes, so. of, cor of course. Of course. We would expect nothing less. So Carrie, how did you, I mean, we're talking about authors. There's lots of things I could talk to you about because you are, you're a life coach, you're a pastor, there's other things in your world, but it seems like writing has really been a part of your journey and really a place for you to heal and communicate and all the things. So tell me kind of your journey into becoming an author. Well, it's interesting because I never expected to be a writer. I never planned to be a writer or an author, even though it was the most cathartic way of me communicating with God, with me figuring out the, the solutions to my life's problems. Um, and I found that when I wrote on the page, it was more articulate than when I was speaking. 
Um, and I was doing that from a young age, although I did find some writings the other day from when I was eight and I thought, gosh, I'm utterly stunned that I even became a writer at some of the things <laughs> that I came out with. Um, but I actually didn't really start having a career in writing until I was 30. Um, and, and honestly, I, for those that don't think they're very good at English or got bad grades at school, um, I would, I remember reading out something that I wrote in English class and I got the words, I think I got the words manipulation and mutilation mixed up, two very different <laughs> words. And, um, everyone starts bawling into laughter and hysterically <laughs> laughing at what I write. And so after that, I'm like, right, well, I obviously shouldn't be writing nor have anything to do with English. And so I didn't do anything for writing for many, many years. And I started using a blog just to write about my experiences of moving down to London. And it was really for my friends. And they started to say, you're actually quite good at writing. Of course, when you're surrounded by so many orators, whether it's church sermons, whether it's plays, I was very much involved in dialogues. In and I was, I was originally wanted to be an actress. So I was obsessed with conversation and dialogue and witty lines and one-liners. And so would go and see a lot of plays and a lot of theatre. And then just became obsessed with monologues and descriptions of our inner soul poured out onto the page. Um, and then uh, the, the actual practicalities of becoming a writer really started with me having a blog. And then I started actually writing articles for local magazines. That's how it's started and I would just ring up and, and say do you do you want me to write a column for you I, I'm happy to write about tweed or the country Wellington boot if you would like me to you know that's kind of how it started that is um, incredible and then, yeah um and then it just it kind of continued to sort of and then I found what I was actually passionate about writing about started a blog that then just started to kick off and from that um I was getting you know prophetic words about being an author and I thought I just rolled my eyes to be honest with you I was, of course you'd say that because I I write you know articles but actually what <laughs> happened was I I um I heard it about the fourth time I got that prophetic word from random strangers in the Philippines I sat down with the Lord and I said well you've got two options either you let a publishing deal fall in my lap or you have to pour the desire in my heart for me to want to bash down the doors and make it happen because I don't have that right now and about four weeks later someone contacted me after reading my blog and said I've ever thought about writing a book and at the bottom of his email was the fact that he was a publisher um and he's still my go-to mentor today um so it just takes one person to find you um and I what I was so done with hearing cliched similar lines of things I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about the same subjects but with a different perspective and a different way of talking about it that is incredible so no I love it because I what I love about it (laughs) Carrie is you're talking about the process and I think um I know in my life it it always starts out small it's always this like initial okay I'll write I'll write a blog Mm. and I'll put myself out there and then I'll write an article and I'll put myself out there for that and I think that sometimes we just think there's going to be this huge leap of a publisher is going to call us up and they're going to say, this is the manuscript we've been waiting for and it's going to be incredible. And I think we just forget that all of those little yeses along the way really matter. Mm. And um, yeah, you were building confidence and you're, you're also, I think sometimes when we do all like little things along the way, we also find out what we aren't. 
<laughs> like, like we don't ever want to do so that again. True. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, actually, talking about the little things, I remember a friend of mine. I was staying over a house in London. This was before the blog actually caught any platform, nor that anyone wanted to host the, the blog anywhere on their networks. And I was, uh, my friend said, I'm going to do a book review in a radio station. Do you want to come with me? And I said, oh, well, I've got nothing to do this afternoon. I'll come. So I sat with her and I went to the toilet. And in the toilet was a woman. She was folded up like a lawn chair in, in the sink because she was trying to get the best light for her makeup. And so she looked quite uncomfortable. <laughs> and she looked like, it, I felt like I'd invaded her space, even though it was a public restroom in this radio network. And um, so I started laughing and said, sorry, if I interrupted you in your time. She went, no, I'm just trying to get the best light. We started talking and she said, what do you do? And it was the first time that I had to own the fact that I was a writer. Because the Lord was like, you've got to start saying you're a writer. Because I'm like, yeah, but I'm yes. not really. I'm not a published author. I'm, you know, I'm doing articles at 50 pounds, not, you know, 600 pounds for Marie Claire at that point. So I was literally just, <laughs> I'm not a writer, you know. And so she said, what do you do? And out of my mouth just went, I'm a writer. She said, oh, what do you write? I said, well, I have a blog called Her Glass Slipper, it was called at the time. And she said, I've heard of that. And I was actually going to reach out and see if I could put oh. your blog on our network. So if I hadn't suggested listening to my friend do a book review in a radio station that afternoon, some of this may not have ever happened. Because if it, if it hadn't been for her network, that publisher wouldn't have seen that blog. So our yes is so important in the tiny, even if you're exhausted and don't really feel like doing anything that afternoon. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's the way I met my husband. I was, I didn't want to go that night. And I finally said, you know what? I said, I'm going to go. And when I went there, we sat across from each other at a, at a restaurant. And if I hadn't said yes that night, wow. would have, I would have never met him. I mean, that would have <gasps> been it. We would have never had, we would have never seen each other again. And so you just never know. It's those little yeses along the that's way. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So it's very, true. So it's good. very um, you know, movie like 90s movie love story. But but okay, so here's my question. Like when you started writing and you're getting these opportunities, did you, I mean, did you fight insecurity or was it like, yeah, I can do this? Like, even though you oh, declared you're a writer, oh. what was the process for you? <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing because I'm I'm still dealing with insecurity now, three books down. <laughs> and I still don't think I can write. But then I but I also have these moments where, and you might, you must have this too, have where you kind of look back at your own writing and go, did I write that? That's quite good. Because <laughs> you realize you've been doing it in communion with the Lord. And so, of course, so much, he really does help us write. If I try and write on my own, it's a disaster. But if I write with him, it's a whole different game. And so I, I think much of the time, I was speaking to another author not too long ago, and we were having this conversation about writing. And he said, you know, much of writing is actually thinking. The actual craft of writing um, is, is really just a sort of discipline that you have to find the hard graft, not just when you feel like it, but the hard graft of writing. But he said it, much of it is the thinking element of writing. And I think the, the more I surrender to the feelings and the thinking that I'm ha having, the more creative my brain gets in regards to writing. And I've noticed the more insecure I am, the more I should just give up trying to write at all. So I actually That's have right. to put the ego to one side and go, the ego doesn't get to play today. We're just going to write. And if I start thinking about who I'm writing to and why I'm writing to them, then insecurity doesn't get much time to play. It's a bit like we've got a class to teach and the kids are waiting to, for you to get up and speak. So you've just got to get on with it. No matter how uncomfortable you are with public speaking, you've just got to get on with it. Wow. So I'm a little bit brutal like that. 
if that makes sense, because we could fester on that for hours. <laughs> that is brilliant, Carrie. Like yeah. I hope that our listeners just grab that because what you're saying mm. is, and we all do it as communicators, you know what, suck it up, put your big girl panties on and do it. You know how to do it. Stop, you know, yeah. overthinking it, over processing it, just do it. And I don't know if we often yeah. think of writing like that, but what you're saying is there is a discipline in writing. Well, yeah, it's a building of the muscle. There are certain muscles in our brain that if we actually give into that fear and give into the insecurities, then we're just building more of a point of why we shouldn't be writing. If I keep on resisting that, that choice to give in and, and surrender to, oh, that's just a feeling, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right one, then I can actually start to take a little baby step, even if it's 350 words for that day. If you write 350 words every single day for a year, you've actually written the contents of a book. So you can actually start with small baby steps. You don't have to sit down and do long drawn out chapters. And um, I think the importance of just getting things down, even if it's bookmarks, writing things on notes, post-it notes. Um, I know Bill Johnson, that's how he writes. Cause I always think how on earth can you write out 250 books a year? It's not that many, but that's what it feels <laughs> like sometimes. And he just writes like things on a bit of a bookmark or little bits of paper in his Bible. And he'll, and he'll slowly just create this thought that becomes a book. Um, and so if we're just thinking more about the message than actually ourselves on the page, we, we actually become much more humble as writers. And I think for as much as we might think we're insecure, I think it's also a pride thing we've got to navigate and battle and go, I remember going through a real journey of not wanting to write anymore. And I realized it was my ego that was getting in the way. As, and that was my insecurity. I think sometimes we think ego is just arrogant, but it actually can be insecurity too. And so trying to remove myself from that entire battle and just go, I actually would like to be obedient in writing. If, if this opportunity has come my way, if, if I've given a thought that hasn't been, if it's an original thought, which is what writers are always destined to try and find is an original thought with the Lord, then then you're onto something and you have to obey it. So it's very humbling to write and it's utterly terrifying. And I remember the first time I handed over my manuscript for the first book that I ever wrote, I cried for an entire day because I was so <laughs> terrified about, about both it going out into the big wide world and I, there was nothing I could do now. And it was now open for criticism and, and scrupulation. And also terrified that the publishers were going to go this is terrible. <laughs> and, you know, and actually the first book, they did actually say that. So they said, you've got to rewrite half this book. And I wanted to give up there and then. And of course that doesn't really help the insecurity part of my brain. But I thought I could either give in and go, yeah, you see, I'm not a good writer. Or I can sit down and, and think again about what we're actually trying to communicate to the people and how, why would I want to pick up this book and why would I want to engage in it? Wow. So going back, if you were to go back to the beginning, what would you have done differently now that you know what you know? Oh, I'd been so much kinder to myself. I was so cruel and I was constantly comparing myself to other writers. You know, I've got, got quite a few friends in my world that are all authors or, or they're writing for the Times, you know, the Sunday Times, or they have columns in huge tabloid papers or uh, they're, you know, the best-selling teen fiction novelists. And um, it's very easy to compare, but you also have to go, but that's not my voice. This is my, 
my voice and this is different and if the numbers don't match that of a sunday best sunday times bestseller or a new york times bestseller in the u.s equivalent that doesn't mean to say that it wasn't necessary to write it and so the comparisons you know i'm a three on the enneagram so it's a constant state of must achieve must must achieve mm-hmm. <laughs> and um i think the, the more i went what about what about the fact that every time you sit down to write on the page you're learning more of what the lord wired in you and it's a uh, it's a self-discovery more than anything else. I mean, even writing about nobility in this last book, that transformed me. So even if, let's say the book doesn't do well, let's say it doesn't, you know, end up as a, a best times, as a sunny times or a what, what if I just actually learned the art of character, which was the whole thing I was studying for that year? I think that's a pretty good thing for anyone that might come into my life that might marry me to children that I might raise, you know. So... <laughs> right. They're actually the the part of the journey for me was actually if I turn writing into worship, this becomes a lot easier. Gosh, I love that, Carrie. I love that so much. Mm. I remember one time talking to my dad and I said, I'm really having a hard time preaching because I feel like I'm, I feel guilty. Like I'm not living all of this and I can't, (laughs) you know, authentically say I'm doing all this. And he said, you know, Havala, I really believe that maybe it's those of us that need to hear it the most are the ones that communicate it. And I, yes. and I, and once I got over that hurdle, um, it allowed me to write things that I was still in process with. Um, but I would, to be honest with you, writing is still a very big insecurity for me and I want to be confident, but it's very difficult. Um, mm. And I feel like when I do sit down, I can get really hard on myself and anxious. It's a very mm. grueling. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you don't, you think you're smart until you try to write it down. And then you're, <laughs> and then you're like, does this sound like a third grader? Like, I don't know if this is very smart. It's, it's so true. I read better things in a Beatrix Potter book than yeah. I have in what I've written here. I mean, I, I mean, it's quite, I think Peter Pan has more to say than I do. So I think for me, it's very true. And that the, the entire, Internal dialogue is one of the biggest battles to overcome. And also to recognize that I'm never going to be writing my best work. I'm, I'm constantly working towards my best work, which I might do when I'm 75. <laughs> but at the moment, you know, um, I, I think what was really interesting was that I always battled away from it because I always thought it had to be a distinct voice, you know. Um, one thing that actually really helped me on that one in the sense of, the comparison thing or looking at other people as great writers. For me, I don't write as well when I'm not living life. <laughs> that sounds like a really stupid thing to say. But no. I, if, if I'm not living life, I don't really have great material to write about. And the more I experience life on a day-to-day basis, the more I sit in a cafe and listen to observational conversations. I, basically, I just listen to everyone else talking for the day. But, I, but I, I'm always fascinated with other people's stories. I'm always looking for stories. And the more stories I have, the more of a wealth of a sort of, of, um, of a back catalogue I have to pluck out and put down on a page when it comes to a theme of something. So I've started to, and I'm trying to do this more and more now, is actually have, and you know, my favourite writers like Joan Didion and incredible writers of their time, um, would have a little black book on them all the time and they would write down observations what they saw that day um even just the descriptions of things or certain you know headlines that they would see in a newspaper um that really caught them 
um, just things like that to get used to the sounds of different vocabulary, different articulation. I read a lot of authors that I don't even agree with because I, I read them to challenge my own thinking. So for example, if I read a comedian who um, is a guy called David Sedaris, now he's a homosexual author, he's very open about it. But I really right. like to sort of read, he's very, very humorous and very, very funny. And I like to read him because he makes me challenge my thoughts and opinions on the same subjects with a different scope and a different perspective. Um, and I can read him lovingly, not with a judgment, but just how would I answer that Absolutely. myself? Just challenge me. So I think those things sometimes, if we live in a very secure, very isolated, very cotton wool lifestyle, we won't have much color to put on the page because we're, we haven't experienced much diversity. And so we can't come in from different angles. It's why when people go traveling for a year, they become much better writers all of a sudden because they've yeah. seen and absorbed so much and they're using the right hand side of the brain. So I often do things differently on a creative side. If we're talking about creativity, if you're not using the right hand side of the brain, um, which normally looks like taking a different route to work, listening to a different radio station, listening to different speakers, on the gospel not just the same old go-to speaker you know mm -hmm. then that helps me just kind of broaden my scope of information and knowledge um i totally agree with that i yeah. i even when i as a communicator i listen to all different types of communicators and yeah just the the art of communication rather than the content the art of it mm. like oh that's interesting how they phrase that or put that together or, or, you know, led me on that journey. Yeah. I would never have done that. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a season of discovery. I know oftentimes when I'm writing, I do the exact same thing. Like you said, I'll, I'll go throughout the world. If I sit down and try to force myself to get content, I oftentimes don't have anything, but if I just kind of, yeah. like you said, emerge into the world and wander around, I'll pick up mm. a little concept or a story or whatever that day. And sometimes for me, it's like day by day, I'm getting the content. It's like, oh, I need to write that down. That was, that was clear to me. And then the next day, um, and the next thing, and, and then when I'll go back, I won't even remember those moments fully, but, but they were yes. just kind of like yes. the bread that got me there. Um, but I, I really yeah. love that. So Carrie, here's a question I want to have. I want to ask you because, mm. you know, we're going to interview other authors that are kind of, you know, long-term, you know, more of a face or a voice. And then they use writing for that purpose. Mm. But like, what would you say to a new author, somebody who's like never been published, has a dream of maybe being published, but you know, they're kind of sitting down to write, what would be your words to them? And then how do they actually move from being wanting to write to actually being taken like seriously? Yeah, very good question. And I think that's the tension, isn't it? When you're, you know, if you're going to have the likes of the brilliant Lisa Turkhurst on. Well, she started from somewhere. <laughs> like, even though she's a big name and out, she started from somewhere. And one of the things that I, because I've shared the same publisher as her, and I remember when we were talking about my book for no, The Noble Renaissance, they said, you need to look at Lisa in regards to how she writes with vulnerability, because that was her gifting, her ability to write with vulnerability that actually empowered the reader, not made them a feel pity for Lisa or, or indeed make them feel uncomfortable. Somehow she took ownership in her vulnerability and made it a permission for us, for the rest of us to start being much more vulnerable and honest about our journey and therefore getting much closer to God. And so uh, she asked the tough questions because she's already conquered the understanding of that herself in private. 
And so I really think if we're not, the finest writers to me are the, are the most honest with themselves. And so, and that can be uncomfortable for the reader, but it, it actually has to be something that we have to break through. So for no namers, let's, because that's what I am, a no namer, um, <laughs> that's someone without a platform or without a huge following. We come in with, we have to come in with a unique angle. We have to come in with original thought. And so I normally ask anytime someone goes, I'd really like to write a book one day and I know what's on. Well, if they don't know what the answer is, then for me, the, the challenge for me would be, are you just wanting to be an author because that sounds nice? Or do you have something that you feel has got a unique angle that no one else can speak it the way that you are? In which case, write the book and write it now. And don't wait for the victory. Don't wait for, because I was so scared about writing my first book because I said, but I haven't got, I was writing about dating and Christian dating in the 21st century. And I remember sitting to my pastor at the time and I said, well, I'm the worst person to write this book. I'm not married and I'm nowhere close. And he said, oh, so you're waiting, you're waiting for the happy ending, are you, before you write the book? And I said, yes. And he said, but, but has it ever worked for you when you've listened to people from the front share their story that they've got all the happy ending? Or was it more powerful for you when they were being vulnerable before they knew where the victory was at? But they're telling you how the Lord romanced them in the middle of the despair. And I went, yeah, that one. That one. I probably can do that one. I can talk about how the Lord romances me in the despair. And so that doesn't mean to say that everyone should now start being vulnerable writers and everyone starts just publishing their own journal at night. You know, that's, that's all, also not the angle because I, I think that's the cost. We have to keep something for ourselves as authors. We have to keep still a private conversation still with us and the Lord. And so there are plenty of things not to be published. Um, you have to feel the permission and you have to feel there are lots of things I would do differently with the first and second book. I feel like the third book is my first adult book. The first two were the immature teenage, teenage Carrie, even though I was yeah. in my thirties when I wrote them. Yeah. Um, and some of that was to do with honor. Some of that was to do with, um, I think my pride was a little bit excited about becoming an author. So I was just saying all sorts of things that weren't necessarily accurate. And then at the same time, um, I think I was too giddy. And so I wasn't being honest enough with myself. Um, and I think, I think so don't, don't look at the publishing the book as the, as the main aim. The main aim is to get the message across from you to whoever you're putting this forward to. Um, and so uh, I, just, just to get it from a, a name name a perspective, yes, have the blog start really crafting with words, go and go the great writers are great readers. So read as much as you can and different contexts, different genres of books. Um, and then find what your, your favorite genre is. Once you've got that on page, have you got authority in the sense of what you're actually owning? Cause I would say the things that I don't have authority in are weaker on the page than the things that I feel very, very convicted by. Yeah, and so, totally like you were saying, Havala, with your with your speaking, um, it's good to push. It's good to try out, and you'll and just give yourself grace to try out different things, and you'll know where you're stronger in. So, excel in the strength, but also ensure you're still widening the scope of the weak parts of your writing, so that you can still practice the art of kindness towards yourself. Um, and then, don't try and be like anyone else. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, there's already wow. that person out there. Boy, Carrie, that is so rich. I hope that our listeners 
just grabbed a hold of everything you're saying because I'm over here yesing and amening because I would totally <laughs> agree with you on that. I mean, in every way, um, I think that's brilliant. Um, do you, and I think, um, you know, as we, I think, and I would agree with you, you know, I'm, I've written, you know, I don't know, eight books, mo- a lot of Bible studies, but I'm in the journey mm. of wanting to write my book, the book. You know, Ooh. like, I think we try certain books, but like, I want to write the book and the part yes. that you said is like the ego and the insecurity. And, and the, I think the, the balance that Lisa's had is that she writes in a way that doesn't detail things to where you feel disconnected because it's her story. So you totally. somehow can see yourself in the story and you know, it's an art, it's, it's yeah. beautiful, but I, I definitely um, you know how you kind of feel like I want to challenge myself and I'm in that journey too right now of like, I want to challenge myself. One of the things I'm working on currently is that subconscious narrative and how do I get that out on paper, which is for those that are listening Mm. that are like, what does that mean? It's that, it's that internal conversation you have with yourself and getting Mm. that on paper so that people can hear how you're processing and what's worked and, and being in, I think for me, and like you said, is I want to, I want to wrap it up in a pretty bow. And so that's my (laughs) issue. I think with writing is where can I keep it, keep that that unending Mm -hmm. ending. Where is that? And I don't, I don't know if I have that fully, but that stuff that I'm working on as well as a writer. I mean, it's very interesting. If you look at, um, uh, the, I, I actually went through a sort of art of practicing. I did a a retreat, writing retreat with a bunch of people that wanted to write or wanted to publish at some point and I sat down with them and I got them to write an exercise out and I read some of their papers and uh, practiced the art of just encouragement because them just reading it out loud was so uncomfortable for most of them because the writing is really? naturally isolated us us right the irony about writing is that we are trying to communicate to the masses but we spend so much of our time on our own writing mm-hmm. <laughs> so um mm-hmm just to get them to speak it out loud, you'll actually hear the rhythm of how you write and you'll hear the tone. I, I actually read out everything that I write because of the rhythm and I can catch the rhythm off when it's off tone. I call Tanasha Larey, who's a spoken word poet in our environment. I call her the rhythm writer because all of her spoken word and how she preaches, how she writes is all rhythm. There is a rhythm to your writing, how there's a rhythm to mine that's different. You can even, you can hear it in Paul when you're reading the gospel, you can see where something's out and it wasn't added in by him because the stanza and the rhythm of how he writes is very evident. So if you study rhythms just on the stanza of the gospel, you can actually tell the authors and writers and differentiate the two of them. It's quite fascinating, the many of them. Um, Where am I going with this? Because I would, oh, the unconscious narrative is very real. And that's the beauty of us being honest with ourselves and why we have to be kind. Because if we're kind to ourselves, the more honest version of us will come out. Like the woman at the well with Jesus. She find, you know, he's looking to see if she's going to be honest. She finally is being honest. And so now she gets to grow. Now she gets to understand all this incredible revelation that Jesus is telling her about living water. And for me, it's the same. I'm always the woman at the well when I'm in front of the page being honest i don't have a husband that's right you have five you had five husbands the one you're with right now isn't your husband but let me tell you something else and that's that's normally how i position myself so that i can get away from when i'm receiving pieces of writing from other people i'll read 
expected it, but if nothing's leaping out to me, it's because they're writing what they think I want to hear or what I will approve of. I want them to write without caring about what I think of their thoughts and opinions. And that's how they are. And that's tough in a religious environment. In our church environment, that, that's is. really tough because we do have a right or a wrong. <laughs> we have a right theology. We have a wrong theology. We have the right doctrine. We have the wrong doctrine. Um, this is why I think fiction writers often stay in fiction. <laughs> but when you're talking about your own story, that's, that doesn't have a right or wrong answer. It's just what it is. And so I think starting from writing your own story actually is probably one of the most powerful ones. And the older you'll get, the more honest you'll get because you've understood yourself more and more. Um, oh, I don't know. Totally agree. It totally makes sense. I sometimes have this like thing in me that's like, if I was to write a memoir, this is what I would put in it. And yes. you have this kind of, you know, like I would really say it this way. Um, but you know, I'm not courageous <laughs> enough to write that down yet. You know, I'm not <laughs> courageous enough to get it out there. But if I, if I had it like that kind of, you know, that narrative that you hear on a beginning of a movie where, she, you know, she, the person's talking about their day and just how they're processing. And I'm like, oh, I, I would love to get better at some of that and figure out how to do that. Just yes. for the, like you said, the yes. artist, like the, the ability to just get it out there. And I think sometimes, um, you know, in my own life and I know your life, it's like, once you just value it for the sake of, because you're getting it, you're getting it, you're putting it down on paper and no one has to read it. Like that's secondary success. But first success is that I was willing and courageous enough to get it out. And I wow. think that's really, it's almost like I'm worthy and I honor my story enough and my process to write it down, whether anybody reads it or not. And that is the that's part that's so taking true. yourself seriously, right? Like I wrote messages I never preached to anybody, but I've yes. read them and I have them in my heart and they were some of my best messages. And I've even preached my best messages to my kids oh, wow. that are completely uninterested and unmoved. But I just, if this is what I really want to say and I don't <laughs> have an audience for it. I just have it in my heart. So I just, I just love it. Now, Carrie, tell me, you know, your, your noble mm -hmm. Renaissance, that book has come out and are you, are you happy with that book and the, the process of getting it out there? Oh gosh. Well, I would say getting a book out during the pandemic wasn't on the list. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and we had to change. I mean, I still haven't had a book signing for it, you know, cause events can't yes. be allowed at the moment. And we were hoping to get something with Barnes and Oberlin, but it, there's still the corporate world is still not allowed to let that happen. So mm -hmm. I, I, this is my favorite book just because it, it really challenged me and I loved studying stories and some great stories about humanity and character. And the irony was the very first line in the book is it was seen in the kneeling of Martin Luther King on Selma Bridge. The day the book came out was Blackout Tuesday, 2nd of June. Oh. And so the prophetic timing of it feels insane, but also because I'm talking about how we respond to injustice. I talk about how we persevere in difficult times. I talk about there's, there's seven different virtues to basically what builds a noble character. And so I went on this journey for a year and a half and I've been obsessed with nobility for probably about three or four years. Um, and that's the thing that I think in the obsession, I became transformed. I'm very much a student. I wouldn't call me noble, but I am, I'm this, student of nobility and I'm obsessed with it and I love the subject because it's, it's always left me 
with such inspiring people across the world, whether it's a mother of four like you, or whether it's a missionary like Gladys Aylward, who is, you know, getting a hundred Chinese orphans across a border in war-torn zones, you know, it's, totally. it's just an extraordinary subject. And uh, I felt like I scratched the surface, but I, but I, I, I'm, I'm more sad that we haven't been able to get this out in the way that we would have, would have been able to. Yeah, it's um, been disappointing. But maybe it'll come. I mean, the beauty of books. Has it been tough for you as well? Just in I think, general I just think it's, I think it's tough for everybody. I think yeah. people had so much that they were preparing. You know, books don't get launched the next day. Just like trips don't get no. planned the day before, you know, like people yeah. had so much that life's work. And, and I mean, I think about it just simply like, you know, I had a friend who had a baby in the middle of the pandemic that the grandparents couldn't come. She couldn't have anybody in the room when she was giving birth. I mean, she had this moment. And I think when you write a book, it's like giving birth to a baby. And so you kind of have yeah. a baby in the middle of a pandemic. That's so true. You know? That's exactly what I felt like. The day, the day that the book was launched, I was so excited excited and I was ready to like have a little sort of celebration in the evening and then about three days before it was all announced that we we're going to do blackout Tuesdays so on Instagram <laughs> everything is this black tile and I was like yep that's what we should be doing I kind of feel like I gave birth to and no one came to the hospital to see the child <laughs> and then I felt like I was being an egomaniac because I wanted to honor what we were doing across the world but it was just this thing of like oh gosh and now I can't really talk about the book because now it looks like I'm plugging on the back of you know this sort of racial injustice that we're facing in America so I just I sort of just sort of sat in the corner and wanted to be asked when to, when was good to come out and so we sort of waited for a couple of weeks and then started talking about it but it was just you know one of those things of like I guess it's just a seed that will plant its way I mean I found a book from 1908 the other day that I thought exactly. oh, this might be quite useful so you don't know you know that it will get into the right hands to the right people who are looking for that for that subject and uh, and I totally that's agree. really all that matters yeah. And I love it. Even you guys as <laughs> listeners, now you know about it. It's the Noble Renaissance and um, you can find it on, I would assume Amazon, but all, you know, anywhere yes. that books are sold, you can get that. And her, obviously Carrie Lloyd is the author of that book, the Noble Renaissance, as well as her other two books uh, are really incredible as well. Carrie, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh. I know everyone can find you out there um, and we'll make sure and link all this in the show notes, but I just appreciate your time and just your heart. I can tell the sacrifice and the courage that it's taken to, to write on your own. And I really, really appreciate that. Oh, it's been such an honor. And this is my favorite subject. So I love talking about writing. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so excited to listen to the others i can't believe the lineup you've got this is going to be awesome it's going to be awesome and you are definitely a part of that as well so carrie <laughs> have a great day thanks so much for being on the podcast and we'll do this again for sure thanks lovely thanks so much for tuning in to the home with havila podcast we love carrie lloyd thanks so much for tuning in for this episode two of the author series Next week, we have our special guest, Lisa Turkhurst. She's a New York Times bestseller multiple times, and she's incredible. 
you are not going to want to miss that episode. So make sure to set a reminder. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you get a notification as soon as that episode goes live. And stay tuned for the next couple weeks. We've got some exciting things coming, more author interviews. We're talking all about writing a book and how you can also grow in your writing And so anyways, we love this podcast community and again, are so grateful that you give us a bit of your time each week. So if you love this podcast, again, we always appreciate any sharing, any ratings and reviews. You can leave those on the Apple podcast platform. Uh, Those uh, always help the podcast reach more people and get in front of more um, ears out there. So anyways, again, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week.